0: Alrighty, so <clears throat> we're on this series called uh for the love. We're talking about you know uh our, our motivation as a church. We're just talking a little bit about what we are as a church. So we give you this brochure again today and uh just something for you to take home with you if you want. Um and just but just really to kind of review where we are as a church and some of the key statements that we have we have kind of honed these statements to to um to to um, keep us on track so we know where we're going, why we're doing what we're doing, why we exist, what we're doing as a church, and what our motivations are behind that. So last week we talked about the fact that Jesus is our center. We talked about kind of the overarching uh, verse that is our theme for this series. Um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13 to 15, For Christ's love compels us. That really says it. That really says what we're about. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. That's Jesus. He died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died, then he was raised again. So last week, we kind of focused on the fact that Jesus is our center, that we align as a church, we align ourselves, our lives, and our ministry completely with the teachings of Jesus and his example. So to summarize that this morning, I came across this video this, this week Um that uh, comes from the Church of England. Uh, they're doing a, a prayer series, uh, "Thy Kingdom Come," and they're putting out videos on a regular basis. And this one uh, is one of my favorite theologians, Dr. N.T. Wright, and he's talking about the importance of Jesus being the center and how, theologically, Jesus forms the center of everything we do as a, as a community of believers. So I want to I want to just uh, share this little video with you before I get to today's message. So take a listen to N.T. Wright if you got to tune yourself to that british accent Uh, so uh you know you know that is a little bit different but uh he's a great theologian great teacher and i wish i could make it as clear as he makes it so just take a listen to this
1: people often ask who was jesus really and what was he all about and there's a lot of misinformation going on out there so i thought i better say something just to clear it up. Jesus was a first century Palestinian Jew who was announcing that this was the time for God to become king. He was plugging into expectations that had been building for a long time for the Jewish people as they knew that life wasn't the way it should be. And they knew that their God, who was the creator God, had promised to come back and sort it all out one day. And Jesus was saying, the time is fulfilled. God's kingdom is here. This is the time for God to become king. And he was going about doing things that said, this is what it's going to look like and he was telling stories which said it's not going to be quite like you thought it's going to be like this it's going to be like somebody sowing seed and half of it seems to be wasted but then there'll be a great crop or it's going to be like a father who had two sons and dot 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 and jesus told these stories to say it's happening now doesn't look quite like you imagined but stick with me and you'll see this is how it's going to be So the first thing is Jesus was announcing God's kingdom. But the second and in the middle is that Jesus was embodying God's kingdom. He was doing things, celebrating parties with all the wrong people, uh, sinners as they called them, people of bad character, but who were ready to latch on to a message of forgiveness and new starts and new creation and new life. And so Jesus was doing things like that and healing people of all kinds of diseases. As a sign, this is what it looks like when God becomes king and new creation really begins to happen. But the trouble is, if he was embodying God's kingdom, then the forces of chaos and destruction and death were striking back pretty hard, which is why the focal point of the four stories about Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, is when Jesus goes to his death. Jesus seems to have believed it was his vocation to embody a moment when God would come in person and take the weight and horror of the world's evil and shame and sin and death itself upon himself and exhaust it. And the sign that he'd done that, the further embodiment of the kingdom, was that three days later he was alive again in a transformed new body. It was the same body and yet somehow different because it had gone through death and out the other side. Jesus was embodying the launching pad of God's new creation. And when we ourselves get to know Jesus for ourselves, and when we talk to other people about him, and when we try and live the kingdom way, we too are supposed to be embodying the kingdom in a way that makes it attractive and, and, and winsome to people who are looking on from the outside. So the third thing is that Jesus was also enabling God's kingdom, because after he was raised from the dead, he sent his spirit upon his followers and told them to get on with the job of doing in the world what he had been doing close up and personal among his own people. And that's the power and the promise of the kingdom today, that when we pray thy kingdom come, we are really praying that all that Jesus did will somehow be channeled through His Spirit, through us, through all His people, out into the world, to our friends, to the wider world, to people we maybe don't know about at all, but who need to see the signs of the kingdom in God's world. So Jesus was announcing the kingdom, He was embodying the kingdom, especially in His death and resurrection, and by His Spirit, He's enabling the kingdom. And that's the promise which He holds out to us today.
0: Wow, I wish I could speak that clearly and say so much in so few words, but uh, I think that really is is a re- great theological basis for who we are as a church, that Jesus, his kingdom is central to everything we do. And uh, so that's where where we kind of take it uh, from as a church and our vision for the future. Today we're going to talk a little bit about um, one of our, our value statements, and that is, for the love of God, we love people. We love people. Parkway values what we call love in action. We serve others through the practical acts of self-giving kindness, love, prayer, and encouragement. You see, we try not to be the kind of Christians that just talk about being Christians, just talk about being good. But we want to really live out the kingdom of God. We want to be one of those those groups that embody the kingdom of God, like Jesus did. That that as we move through life, wherever we are, whether it's here or as we gather together or out in the community, and our our opportunities to to uh, work with the community and our jobs and our in our schooling and all those kind of things, where we touch people, we touch them with the power of the kingdom of God, that we embody the kingdom of God. And so that happens by love and action. So I thought this morning, just to kind of underscore that and let you know, this isn't just my idea or our leadership team's idea that we should be love in action. I thought I would share with you 59 verses of scripture. All right, this morning. And uh, I'm going to do that, let's see, it's 11.28, I'm going to do that in the next 17 minutes. I'm going to cover 59 verses, alright? Now there's something that all of these verses have in common. There are 59 verses, we're going to start at the beginning of the New Testament, we're going to go through towards the end of the New Testament, and we're going to talk about all 59 of these verses, and all of these verses talk about one another, they're the one another verses, the fifty nine one another verses in um, in the New Testament. Why are these important verses? Because really they give us action items of how we as followers of Christ who embody the kingdom of God ought to be living our lives. This is what love in action looks like. And the Bible is full of, of, of hints and tips and commandments and ideas of how we can put that love in action. So would you go with me on this little journey? 59 verses that all say one another. Number one says... That that we should be at peace with one another. Mark chapter 9 verse 50. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. So we have to have a life that is is kind of salty, that is kind of, you know, that's flavorful, that that adds zest in the world, but in doing that, we live at peace with one another. It's so important. You know, I think the peace in our relationship, in relationships is a very clear indicator of our health and our maturity. Number two, we should wash one another's feet. Well, that should be fun, right? Let's pull out the towels and the basins and let's all wash one another's feet this morning. Of course, that comes from the fact that Jesus washed the disciples' feet on the night before he was crucified. And it's not necessarily literally meaning we should wash their feet, but we should take our cues from Jesus, who was not over his disciples, didn't consider himself to be greater than anybody, that he wasn't willing to take the role of a servant. And so we should not consider ourselves to be over one another and over other people, that we are better than other people, but we should take that role. We should take our cue from Jesus and serve one another, even to the point of washing one another's feet. Then, number three, number four, number five, number six, number seven, all come from the Gospel of John, where he says he has fixated on this idea of loving one another in all of these verses in john chapter 13 in john chapter 15 he says to us that we should love one another all seven of these verses and that really is pretty plain isn't it love one another this is the commandment that jesus said you could sum up all the law by loving your neighbor as yourself And then moving along to number eight, it says we should be devoted to one another in brotherly love, Romans chapter 12. We should be devoted. We should be thinking about one another in terms of devotion. I'm committed to you. I'm committed, we're committed to one another, we're committed to the community, we're committed to the people around us to show this love. There's a devotion. It's something deeper than just convenience. It's not about just being conveniently in tune with one another, but there's a devotion, there's a commitment level there. We should honor one another, number nine, above ourselves. Romans 12.10 says be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. We should honor one another above ourselves. That means I need to see you as being more valuable than myself. There has to be a giving side to the love that we share with one another verse 10 says that we should live in harmony with one another. Romans 12:16. It's very difficult in today's world for us to live in harmony sometimes with the people around us because we have a lot of disagreements. We have a lot of different ideologies. We have a different you know different politics, different different ideas of how life should go. And sometimes it's difficult to live in harmony. But harmony isn't about being the same. It's about being in tune with one another. Harmony isn't about all playing the same note on the piano. It's playing the notes that blend together, that make beauty. And so when we are in harmony, we make beauty to the world. Be of the same mind toward one another, Romans 12, verse 16 says. Then in verse 11, or number 11 tells us once again, but this is Paul telling us in Romans chapter 13, to love one another. It says, "Oh, no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. He's really reiterating what Jesus said when Jesus says, You can sum up all the law and all the prophets by loving your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 12, or number 12, I should say, tells us that we should stop passing judgment on one another. You know, you want to kill love? You want to kill a relationship with someone? Then start judging them. Start living in judgment, in condescension towards people, of of letting them know that you think that they're you're better than them, or that you have the right answers and they have the wrong answers. They're living the wrong way. You know, judgment never really helped anybody. Criticizing people never really helped anybody. Being a having a critical spirit towards other people, but you can you can you can uh, grow in relationship, and you can help people grow rather by encouraging them and not judging one another. Romans fourteen verse thirteen says, therefore let let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. We take, we take ourselves and we inconvenience ourselves so that other people can be, can be um, encouraged. And then, similarly, number 13 says that we should accept one another just as Christ accepted you in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. If you think that, you know... <coughs> That there's something about you that is superior about other people, and uh, and you don't need to accept them, or you don't you don't need to be non-judgmental towards them. Then just think about how Jesus looks at you. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God Himself, and Jesus He actually loves you. He puts aside all your defects and all your failures, and He chooses to love you as you are. So in doing that. We, Jesus sets an example for us of how we need to live with one another, accepting one another just as Christ accepted you, not demanding perfection of one another before we care for one another. Then in number 14, Romans chapter 15 again tells us to instruct one another. Sometimes we do know something. Sometimes we do have answers. Sometimes we are more knowledgeable in certain areas, and it's a powerful thing when we can take time to instruct one another. Paul says, now I myself am Confident concerning you, my brethren, that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, able also to instruct each other. Then, here's a a real fun one. Number 15, you should greet one another with a kiss. You should kiss one another. Now, there you go, all right? Now, we need to just kind of unpack that a little bit because, you know, I don't want... This is not an excuse for, you know, for uh for you know to go kissing someone um, that doesn't want to be kissed that's not appropriate still isn't appropriate you got to think about it in the cultural setting where it is where in a in a middle eastern culture where um, where uh people of the opposite gender show no signs of affection to one another. We were in India a few years ago on a mission trip with a group of people from here, and one of the things we noticed was that in, in, in India, the men and women, even husbands and wives, showed no physical affection to one another in public. But on the other hand, uh, people of the same gender would show lots of affection to one another towards their friends. So when two men would meet together, they might kiss each other, or they might hug each other, or they might even sit with their arm around each other when they're sitting along the way. You see, because that's an appropriate cultural thing. So what Paul is saying here in their culture, where two men, greeting each other, would kiss each other on the cheek, just as they still do today in the Middle East, uh, and in some uh, southern European areas he 's saying whatever is culturally appropriate in your community, make sure you greet one another with warmth and affection that you don 't you know so uh, it, this is an excuse to go up and, and kiss them it's not it 's not appropriate for us to kiss people um, necessarily in our culture, especially someone of the opposite gender that 's not our spouse um, but <clears throat> or our whatever partner you got it right. Because again, number 16 says that, uh, or, um, no, not number, number 16. Number 16 says when you come together to eat, wait for each other. That concept of waiting for each other, this, kinda, this is kind of rooted in a very particular instance that was happening when people were gathering together, like for our barbecue tonight. All right? Um, you know, with the people in the church were gathering together and they're going to share a meal together, but the people who got there first would eat all the food and leave nothing for others. And so Paul was telling them you gotta wait for one another. That, that's all part of the concept of being patient with one another. So we wait sometimes for the late comers to come and then we have the meal, right? We don't, we don't go ahead and eat all the food before the late comers come. Wait for one another. Be patient with one another. Have equal concern for one another, for each other. Uh, number 17 is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 25. Let there be no schism or or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. You know, when we come in, we shouldn't be, We when we come together as a body or as a group of people, we shouldn't say, this is my group and this is your group. I'll take care of this group and you take care of that group. And these are my friends and you have your friends over here. You know, we should come together and we should see each other as a larger group, as being all one together. There shouldn't be division among us. We should have equal concern for one another. Then number 18 says, once again, Paul says, greet each other with a holy kiss. And uh, <clears throat> again, that's about cultural appropriateness. And then number 19, greet one another with a holy kiss. There you go. All right, so really, Paul's got kissing on his mind. <clears throat> number 20, serve one another in love. Starting to run out of time here. Better get moving. Uh, serve one another in love Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 For you brethren have been called to liberty only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh but through love serve one another just because you've been set free in a certain area doesn't mean everybody else has been you serve one another you give up your rights for the sake of others Paul saying And then <clears throat> The really interesting metaphor that Paul uses later on in that verse, which just very clear, it's kind of an animal kingdom uh, metaphor. He said you got to stop biting and devouring each other. Like, that, that's what they do in the animal kingdom, right? You know, the bigger animal bites and devours. Or, the, you know, the, 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 the birds peck away, you know, one little peck at a time, killing their prey. And, and that's sometimes what it's like in community when we are together. We have to be really careful and mindful of this. And uh, Paul really is giving a really graphic picture of what it looks like when community goes bad. When people talk about each other and don't talk to each other. Um, There are some really serious sin issues when it comes to our relationships with one another. Excuse me. When it comes to our relationships with one another, that we should always deal with our issues one-on-one and not by gossiping or talking about those things. Otherwise, what we're doing is we're devouring one another. We're biting one another, Paul says. Then number 22, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other that means we don't show off in front of one another just because i maybe have something better than you have we don't we don't show it off to make one another jealous and make each other envious of one another we, rather we we uh we honor one another and share and verse and number 23 carry each other's burdens galatians 6 2 bear one another's burdens. that's not be a bear Alright. <laughs> with one another. It's bear one another's burden. That means take upon yourself the burdens of other people and help them carry their burdens. And then number 24, be patient. Again, bearing. Don't be a bear, but carry with one another in love. Um, <clears throat> it means waiting with one another. Be long-suffering. It says in Ephesians 4 and 2. With lowliness and gentleness. Oh, thank you. With lowliness and gentleness. Uh, and tender heartedness we are long suffering, and we bear with one another and number twenty five be kind and compassionate to one another be kind tender hearted forgiving one another Paul says and then verse twenty uh, number twenty six we forgive each other in ephesians four thirty two be kind to one another tenderhearted forgiving one another, and that oftentimes the only way that we can keep relationships. Um, uh, uh, positive is that we have to be willing to forgive one another that we have to be willing to say I know that there was a mistake made I know that, that something happened and I was hurt but I choose to forgive you in this situation I choose to believe in you and I'm willing to forgive you that's so important to our one another relationships we're halfway there almost Speak to one another. Speak to one another, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19. How do we speak to one another? With psalms, with hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You know, um, you, you should walk up to people and just start singing a song to them. No, we encourage one another with spiritual words. And maybe in our culture, it's not appropriate to just sit down and sing a song to someone, but you could always share a song that's meant something to you. And encourage. music's a great encouragement to people. So we share those things with one another. Number 28, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We are not called to be lords over one another. We are called to submit to one another. There's Jesus washing the disciples' feet feet again. That picture, what Jesus has done, we follow his example. Number 29, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. We place great value on other people, and we consider them, we treat them as if they're better than us. That's what Jesus did. He became less in order to reach more people. Then number 30, don't lie to each other. Colossians 3, verse 9, deception destroys relationships. Deception, lying, destroys relationships. 31, again, bear with each other. Number 32, forgive whatever other grievances you may have against one another. Colossians three 13. 33, teach one another. 34, admonish one another. Admonish is a bit of an old word, but it means to encourage, uplift, lift up, promote, you know, sharing with somebody. You got this. You can do it. You're great. You're doing well. I encourage you. Those kind of words are admonitions that we are told to share with one another. 35, make your love increase and overflow for each other. There's no, there's no maximum standard for sharing love with one another. it should just overflow it should continually spill out of you through the holy spirit 36 love one another again 37 comfort each other paul specifically speaking in 1st Thessalonians 4 verse 18 about situations surrounding the death of a loved one there are times when people are grieving and they need to be comforted we should be there to comfort each other 38 we edify again and encourage each other 1st Thessalonians 5:11 39 Build each other up. Encourage one another. Forty, encourage one another daily. You know, some people in our lives need to be encouraged every day. It's not good to say, oh, at a boy, once in a while. We need to encourage people every day. Send a text message, send an email, make a phone call, encourage people on social media. Daily should be our practice. Hebrews chapter three, verse thirteen. 41, stir up one another toward love and good deeds. If you see, you know, in, in, in the community, when we see people that aren't doing what they should be doing, we need to stir them up. We need to encourage them. Sometimes it's a word of correction. It's a word of of, of exhortation that is 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 uh, an encouragement that way. 42, exhort one another. It's talking about in Hebrews chapter 10, 25, that we need to meet together. Okay, I've, I'm running out of time. But I'm going to keep on going on, okay? Meet together regularly. That's exhorting one another. Paul says, or the writer of Hebrews says, not forsaking the gathering together of ourselves, um, we need to exhort one another. We need to get together with one another and exhort one another. 43, don't slander one another. Um, Talk to people, don't talk about people. That's what slander is, is talking about people. You know, you may have a problem with one another. You may have a problem at times. That's going to happen because we're human and we aren't perfect and we're going to have problems. So we, should, we don't talk behind their back. We talk to them about our concerns. Don't grumble against each other, number 44. 45, confess your sins to each other. It's a really healthy thing when we can be honest about our shortcomings to one another. It's a really unhealthy thing when we, all we project to people around us is how good we are. Social media is horrible for this, where people just post their perfect pictures of their perfect picture life that's not a perfect picture life. And sometimes we can, we can invoke envy on other people because all we show to people is how perfect we are and we're not vulnerable and honest about who we really are. Forty-seven. Love one another deeply from the heart. First Peter three eight. Forty-eight. Live in harmony with one another. First Peter three eight again. Forty-nine. Love each other deeply. There is Peter talking again. Number five. Offer hospitality to one another. Without grumbling, it's not just talking here about you know inviting someone over for dinner. Um, it's talking about offering real hospitality. In, in in the Bible times, it was about opening up your home to a stranger. Uh, you got a spare bed in your house. You know someone that needs a place to sleep. You should be offering that to one another. That's what the Bible says that we need to share our lives with each other, offer hospitality, caring for those who are in need. Each one another, number 51, should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. If God has blessed you, that's not for you alone, according to the scripture teaching. That's for you to share with other people. Number 52, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. 53, greet one another again with that holy kiss, All right. <clears throat> And then 54, 55, 56, 57, 58, and 59 all come from the epistle of, epistles of John. First John, Second John, Third John, and he says the same thing he says in his gospel. He says it over and over and over again. He said, "Love one another." He says in, uh, uh, in John three eleven. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And then in, 50, uh, in verse twenty three, and this is his commandment that we should believe on the name of his Son Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us the commandment. And, number, and verse forty-seven of chapter four, beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who is born of God knows God. Fifty-seven, uh, love one another, beloved. If God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Then in First John four twelve, no one has ever seen God at any time, but if we love one another, God abides in us, and His love has been perfected in us. And then Second John. 5 says, and now I plead with you as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which you have from the beginning, that we love one another, and that's all 59. I'm four minutes over. You get the picture? Get the picture? The one another's 59 verses in the New Testament that tell us that we should put our love in action. And so that's why we as a church say that we serve others through practical, or we aim to serve others through practical acts of self-giving, kindness, love, prayer, and encouragement. If you want to take time to go through those 59 verses, just a little bit more, if you want to just check out, check them out and check, make sure I was telling the truth, we have the list of 59 verses at the uh, at the Next Steps table, and you can take that home with you today, and you can use that in your own personal study. But here's what I want to leave you with this morning. Think about it for a minute. Is there someone in your life, someone in our church family, someone in your own family, that you maybe haven't been loving well, that you haven't been caring for well? Maybe you've been a bit impatient with them. Maybe you've been a bit tense with them. Maybe you've been a bit rude with them even. Is there a name that's coming to mind? Is there someone that's popping into your head? Why don't we this morning agree that we're going to work this week to put our love in action, not just be people that talk about love, but who really love deeply from the heart, that we actually take the words of Scripture, the words of Jesus, the admonitions of Jesus and the apostles, and really put it into practice. Marcia Spears is back there. And she's here for the first time in a long time because she's been undergoing treatment for cancer. So just welcome Marsha back. Would you do that? (laughs) Here's what uh, what Marsha told me this morning. And she's going to share it with you sometime herself when she can get up here and share. I'm telling you that. but I haven't asked her yet, but she will. (laughs) But here's what she told me this morning. She told me that this group of people is her family and she doesn't think she could really have gotten through what she got through the chemo the surgery the chemo the radiation the full package of treatment that she was given if she wasn't supported by the love and prayers of her community here that means a lot she also mentioned her husband being a saint too but I want you to know it makes a difference when we love one another, when we care for one another. And if God's laid someone on your heart this morning that you could love just a little bit better, maybe someone who's a little prickly in your life, someone who, you know, you just prefer just kind of not see them again, or whatever. Why don't you take that on as a challenge, that they're a one another in your life, that God is calling you to care about in a deeper way. Let me pray for you. Lord, We take your words seriously. We take your example seriously, Lord. We know that you went out of your way to love people.